mentions like even even the low low lowest of uh, I guess laborers or something you know where he's mentioning like people that draw water and people that cut wood you know it's not like um, those aren't prestigious jobs you know but he's just saying like even even um, even even is for everybody essentially is it for everybody not not just the educated or you know that kind of thing it's, this is for everybody cool and I guess we will continue. We're waiting for the tycoon for those of you online. Ashe and 
You are thus being brought into the covenant of God, your Lord, and accepting the dread oath that he is making with you today. He is establishing you as his nation so that you will be so that he will be a God to you, just as he promised, just as he promised you, and as he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it is not with you alone that I am making this covenant and this dread oath. I am making it both with those who are standing here with us today before uh, God, our Lord, and with those who are not yet here with us today. There, there's two mics. Hello. So someone asked, I think it was, I don't remember which child. Someone asked, um, who, who is it talking about here? Because it says, but, you know, but not only with you am I making this covenant and this oath, but with those standing here with us today before the Lord, our God, and also with those who are not here with us this day. And so the question was asked, who are they who are not here with us? And I think a very classic answer, standard answer, common answer, would be to, to Jews, other, other Israelites, who, who, were, who would come to be living in the future. But in, there's a Midrash, uh, Midrash Tanhuma. It says here, and this is a Kabbalistic idea. It says here in Midrash Tanhuma Mishpatim 3, it says, you know, it says, you should know that all the souls that existed from the time of Adam, the first man, until the end of time, were all created during the six days of creation. And all of them were in the Garden of Eden. So this is just the soul level. It's not talking about physical bodies in this, in this particular passage. And all of them were present at the giving of the Torah. As it, is at is, as it is stated, but with those who are standing here with us today and with those who are not here with us today. And, and so this is, a, I mean, it's just the Midrash, but still, this is a, a Jewish understanding. And... Even in last week's Torah portion, I think it was last week, it was a very recent Torah portion, it talks about, you know, what does it mean to carefully write down the Torah? And, you know, the sages said that it means to write it down in all 70 languages. So now we have two different, you know, places where we see that the Torah is for everyone. We, we understand that the Torah is supposed to be given in seven. Why did it need to be given in 70 languages? Why would the sages say that? The sages didn't believe that the Torah was for everyone. The 70, 70 languages of the world stands for the 70 nations, the whole entire world. And here it's talking about that, that um, spiritually every soul was present at the giving of the Torah. And there's also the Midrash that talks about how, you know, before you're born, you know the whole entire Torah and then the angel comes and erases it from your memory. And then when we're here on earth, we have to learn it again. And these are all Kabbalistic ideas, but still it gives us insight to the idea that the Torah is meant for everyone. And I think the reason why I feel like it's important to emphasize this is because it's, an, it's always said, both in Christianity and in Judaism, that the Torah is only for Jews. And while, the, and while only the Jewish people have a special relationship with the Torah, it's because we have already accepted the Torah. 
Other nations may have not accepted the Torah, but it is God's intention that all people come under one Torah, you know, one law, one God, etc. I've read a midrash that uh, that when the Torah was given, um, when the Torah was spoken by Hashem, and it went, uh, the world actually stopped uh, spinning, and um, there was uh, his voice went out through the entire world. Uh, it sounded like confusion to a lot of people, but there were people that understood it. So went out into all the known languages of the entire world. So it's definitely um, a covenant with whoever would receive it. So Baruch Hashem. All right. Continue. Uh, who should I call it? What do we got? You know full well that we lived in Egypt and that we also passed through the territories of the nations you encountered. You saw the disgusting putrid idols that were that they have made of wood and stone, gold and silver. Today there must be there must not be among you any man, woman, family, or tribe whose heart strays from God and who goes and worships the gods of those nations. There must not be among you a root whose fruit is gall a wormwood such a person when such a person hears the word of this dread curse he may rationalize and say i have i will have peace even if i do as i see fit let me add some moisture to this dry practice god will not agree to forgive such a person god's anger and demand for exclusive worship will be directed like smoke against that person and the entire dread curse written in this book will lie at his door so that God will blot out his name from under the heavens. God will separate him so that he will have more evil than any of the Israelite tribes and he will be subject to all the dread curses of the covenant which are written in this Torah scroll. A future generation consisting of your descendants who rise up after you along with the foreigner from a distant land shall see the punishment directed against that land and the plague with which God has struck it. And they will say sulfur and salt has burned all its soil. Nothing can be planted and nothing can grow. Not even grass can grow on it. It is like the destruction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Sevoim, the cities that God overturned in his anger and rage. All the nations will ask, why did God do this to the land? What was the reason for this great display of anger? They shall answer, it is because they abandoned the covenant that God, Lord of their fathers, made with them when he brought them out of Egypt. They went and served foreign gods, bowing down to them, 
These were gods alien to them, something that was not their portion. God displayed anger against these nations, bringing upon it the entire curse written in this book. God drove them from their land with anger, rage, and great fury, and he exiled them to another land, where they remain even today. Hidden things may pertain to God our Lord, but that which has been revealed applies to us and our children forever. We must therefore keep all the words of this Torah. Is there more? Any questions or comments? I think it's straightforward. Don't follow the Torah, you are cursed. <laughs> I think I think this is I, I really like, you know, it says here that the hidden things belong to the Lord our God. But the revealed things apply to us and our children forever. That we must fulfill the words of this Torah. I, I feel like, um, like the Christian Church is is so uh, focused on prophecy and things that are not clear, and not you know not focused enough on very practical things of the Torah. Not I mean not not just on a theological level. I mean there's a lot of great practical teachings in Christianity about, you know, marriage and family and stuff like that. But um, on a theological level, I feel like Christianity is too focused on understanding things that are esoteric and impractical and in the future and that are not applicable to us today. And I found that with my children, they, they seem to enjoy studying things that apply to their lives and how to do things and how to deal with life more than these, you know, these theological things. Um, you know, when, when, when I make them read certain things or study certain things, um, studying about theology seems to be more of a drudgery to them. But when they study things that talk about how they should interact with people, how they should, how should, how they should think um, in order to have a successful life, in order to be blessed, they, they enjoy it. More. So I think that's very interesting. Oftentimes, oh yeah, go ahead. Add, add. Um, I just wanted to add something what uh, Mayim was saying. Um, you know, <clears throat> with certain religious uh, groups, uh, there seems to be a focus on what they call the end times. Right? They say that it's the end. It's the you know, we've got to find out what's going on in the end. We you know, we've got to know about it and. Um, and this, the way I kind of take the understanding of the things that are hidden is, uh, you know, uh, Hashem is very explicit that there are certain aspects of the universe and knowledge that exists that we're not supposed to access. Those are things for his, uh, you know, angels or different spirits that he's set up and they have different rules and they have different Torah uh, instructions on how that works and it's really not a human aspect for us to even consider because so we, we don't understand it so it's not a it's not a hitting thing it's not an occultic thing it's just a protection thing where Hashem is like look uh, those things that are for you will be revealed to you those things that are not don't even worry about and as far as the end there is no such thing hmm. uh, we come to, to, to a Jewish perspective there's just a just a restart, right? There's just a, a, a Kabbalistic idea that 
we're just in a big cycle that we just, we just, there's rebirth and, you know, there's, there's a, a resurrection. There's death and there's a resurrection. And this goes on until Hashem has perfected his creation. And so we don't have to worry about the end because, you know, it's, it's really just a rebirth, you know, so. There's no I was going to say there's a lot oftentimes there's a lot of times there's there's um, controversy, controversy arguments splits of splits of whole congregations and things just over um, something that is like that there's that is unprovable you know or is it's like this this idea you know and um, and we've seen it many times you know so even in, I think even in Judaism, that kind of happens sometimes, um, certain things, you know. I'd also say it's, it's pretty cool. I like, I like that it says that as well in this portion, because in my experience, I've met people who've said there's hidden, there's hidden truth or there's hidden gifts or So, like, there's a, you know, if if me and Safa, for example, we have a disagreement over Kabbalah, oh, well, you know, it's not a big deal. There's, you know, it could be viewed one way or another. But um, in Christianity, a lot of times, most of their viewpoints are Kabbalistic, whether they know they are or not. And if they got an argument over eschatology, then they want to fight and they want to um argue and 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 break brotherhoods and form different you know churches or however they do that just because of the different different viewpoints and it's interesting how like it the christianity actually mirrors in the basura hanotri uh that of the greek mindset you know where it says to to the yehudim it would be a stumbling block but to the greek it would be foolishness and Christians, in a sense, where I came from, by the way, Christianity, um, maybe not ethnically, but uh, religiously, I came from Christianity. And, and that's what they divide over. It's the foolish things that, that are esoteric, not, not the concrete things of the law that are easy to be understood and accepted by all people. Yeah. Agreed. But I think the Jews were used to disagreeing and arguing with each other and still, you know, being friends at the end of the day. It seems like, I mean, I'm an insider looking out in this little introduction I had to Christianity. If you disagree with them, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Different. I mean, I don't know. There's some there's some things that happen also in the Jewish world too. If you, but the, but usually the disagreements are more um, concrete. You know, there's more more concrete uh, reasons that they disagree. Yeah, they, they, they respect how we act. Yeah. Uh, we need another view. 
It will be that when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse that I have presented before you, then you will take it to your heart among all the nations where Hashem your God has dispersed you. And you will return into Hashem your God and listen to his voice according to everything that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. Then Hashem your God will bring you back, back your captivity, back you from. Then Hashem your God will bring back your captivity and have mercy upon you. And he will return and gather you in from all the peoples to which Hashem your God has scattered you. If you dispersed, if you're dispersed, will be at the ends of heaven. From there, Hashem, your God, will gather you in. From there, he will take you. Hashem, your God, will bring you to the land that your forefathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will do good to you and make your, you more numerous than your forefathers. Hashem, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring to love Hashem, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Bring you back. Gives you another chance. I mean, at least maybe your children's give your children another chance. <laughs> However, it works. You know, it's you know, it's interesting um, when I read this. I think about um, there. There seems to be a concerted effort within. Uh, uh, Yiddishkeit and uh, rabbis and, and different um, um, organizations are realizing that um, there's millions of Jews that were stolen, right? These are people that uh, their, their parents were killed and they were forced, uh, children with no knowledge to raise by the Catholic Church or a priest or they were adopted off and you know these these are these are souls. These are, and I, and I think it, this Torah movement uh, that you know that the church kind of help kind of facilitate and and the internet. We're seeing uh, people all of a sudden waking up all over the world uh, to Torah, and uh, I think but I have Raham and different organizations are. Um, being used by Hashem to bring, you know, sparks back that we're seeing in our lifetime, this uh, prophecy that he's bringing people back and he will continue to. And uh, let us, let us be blessed to, uh, to see it in our lifetime. Sorry, I talked too much, but, um, Rambam, uh, so, you know, a lot of times we say, you know, Yeshua or Messiah is not explicitly in the Torah. Well, it's not, but um, I think we need to understand, especially Rambam, because, you know, it's, it's, it's in Rambam's um, 13 principles where we have uh, one of the strongest statements 
that that one should believe in the Messiah. So Rambam really believed that every Jew should believe in the Messiah, and this is this in a coming Messiah. And this is one of um, an, again another key difference between Orthodox Judaism and other branches. And this is a part of you know something that Christianity has really latched onto is this belief in a Messiah. But the very first thing, you know, Rambam he he argues. Um, that, that the concept of Messiah is found in the Torah. And the very first verse that he quotes or passage that he quotes is right here, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses three to five, where it says, you know, the Lord will have mercy on you and bring back the exiles and gather you from all nations when the Lord your God has dispersed you. So I think we can learn many things about Judaism and its perspective on Messiah from these verses. And even in verse, verse four and five, you know, if your if your exiles are in the ends of the earth, still he will he will gather you from there, and he will bring you to the land which your forefathers possessed. So one of the obvious things that we can understand is this is one of the reasons why um, Judaism as a whole rejects Messiah, because this is one of the major verses that talk about how. Um, how you know what the messiah will do which is to gather the exiles back to the land of israel and there were exiles even in yeshua's time there were exiles there were the samaritans and there were others who were lost and he did not return them um but i believe that it is through him largely that many are being brought back to the torah um and this counts for you know, observant Jews, people who were once observant and they stopped being observant. You know, we saw that with you know, for example, David Wallens and you know m many others um, who have come here, um, and and you know, and others even outside of here, of course. And um, even the Samaritans. I don't know if you know, but um, I've heard testimony from different people that the Samaritans accept Yeshua in a way. Um, there is uh, the man who is in line to be the next high priest of Samaritan Judaism. He believes that Yeshua could be Mashiach and, and could possibly return. And they have him written down in their, in their annals. I don't know how to pronounce that word, annals. I think it's probably annals, not annals, right? In their annals that, um, that he was one of the Samaritan high priests. So they honor him in that way. And he reads the New Testament. And you know all these different things, and this is one of the reasons why I have a um, a heart towards you know Samaritan Judaism and other branches of Judaism, um, and even Kabbalah, because you know we we see that there's a lot of people who, through the study of Kabbalah, Jews um, have come to belief in Yeshua. Um, anyways, another thing that we can learn from here is that you know when we say you know Yeshua is Mashiach, I think we have to understand um, as you know, especially to the rest of the Jewish world, that when we make that statement, we have to understand that that is our hope. Our hope is that one day he will return as a physical earthly king of Israel. Because in a Jewish mind, that's that's the main sign of, oh, the Mashiach is here. And that's not, that doesn't go against what Yeshua taught, because Yeshua taught that he's going to come back, right? Physically, that he will physically come back and he will reign. And another thing I think, another important lesson from this pas passage that we can learn is that 
When Hashem says, I'm going to do this, I did that, that he uses people, he uses agents. So like, for example, when, when we say that it was Hashem that redeemed us from Egypt, well, who did he use? Was it some invisible spiritual hand? Was it only miracles that, you know, were not that, you know, that were just controlled by him from up above in heaven through nature? No, it was through human beings. It was through his divine agents. And in the case of Egypt, it was Moshe primarily and also Aharon. It was these two, it was these two men. And, the, and, and, and Hashem even said to Moshe, you will be Elohim to Pharaoh. You will be God to Pharaoh. I will make you God to Pharaoh. He didn't even say, I will make you like God to Pharaoh. He said, I will make you God to Pharaoh. And we also have to remember that that word Elohim, it means power. It doesn't necessarily mean like um, you're the creator of heaven and earth. It just means the power. Now, of course, Hashem is the, the ultimate power. He controls all other powers. So, you know, it's not a dichotomy to say that Hashem will bring us back, but also Mashiach will return the exiles. There, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a contradiction, I'm sorry. It's not a contradiction to say both things. You know, and um, it says that, you know, God says that with my mighty hand, I brought you out of Egypt. Well, it was through Moshe. Moshe was his mighty hand, right? And then it talks about in other places where, you know, the Mashiach is God's right arm. It's his right arm, right? It's his right hand. Mashiach is the right hand of God. Okay, so it's not, there's no contradiction. It's just, is all that I want to say. When, when God does something, he uses human agents. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's our privilege. You know, when we are walking in his ways, when we are um, following his commandments, he uses us to bring about his will. All right. Let's continue. Ya'amud Mashim Nashib Benchmil Mechelahuma. Shabbat Shalom. Is the camera working okay? Yes. Okay. Wait, that's just the door. I got to open. Benatan Adonai Elohecha Eit Kol Alot Haele Al Oivecha Vial Shonecha Asher Red Tafucha Viata Tashu Veshamta Vekol Adonai Vaasita Et Kop Mitzvota Asher Anochi Mitzavacha Hayom Ve Tircha Arunai Elohecha Bechol Maase Yadecha Be free Be free Vitnecha U Be free Be Techa Be Hemetecha 
ופרי אדמתך לטובה, כי ישוב אדוני לסוס עליך לטוב כאשר שסע אל אבותיך, כי תשמע בקול אדוני אלוהיך לשמור מצוותיו וחוקותיו הכתובה בספר התורה הזה כי תשוב אל אדוני אלוהיך בכל לבבך ובכל נפשך. Okay. Hashem, your God, will place all these imprecations upon your enemies and those who hate you and pursued you. You shall return and listen to the voice of Hashem, perform all his commandments that I command you today. Hashem will make you abundant in all your handiwork, in the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your animals, the fruit of your land for good when Hashem will return to rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your forefathers. When you listen to the voice of Hashem, your God, to observe his commandments and his decrees that are written in this book of the Torah, then you shall return to Hashem, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. And this is the last Torah reading of this. Did you finish, Moshe, or did you have more to say? What did you say? I didn't, I missed that. It seemed like you got cut off at the end. I'm not sure. Oh, I did? Oh, I was just saying this is the last Torah reading of this calendar year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the next Torah reading is next um, year. Mm -hmm. On our calendar, not the Gregorian calendar. Yeah, exactly. All right. <clears throat> Let's continue on. Ya'amud atul yahu ben Abraham lahuma. Shabbat shalom. Ki ha-mitzah hazot asher anochi mitzavecha hayom lo niflet hi memecha velo rechokha rechokha כי לא והשמיים היא לאמור מיעלה לנו השמיימה ויקהך לנו וישמיענו אותה ונעשינה ולא מעבר לים היא לאמור מיעבור לנו אל עבר הים ויקהך לנו ויאשמיענו אותה ונעשינה כי קרב אליך 
הדבר מאוד בפיך ובלבבך לעשותו. For this commandment, which I command you this day, is not concealed from you, nor is it far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who go, will go up to heaven for us to fetch it? Wait, who will go up to heaven for us and fetch it for us? To tell it to us so that we can fulfill it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and fetch it for us? To tell it to us so that we can fulfill it. Rather, this thing is very close to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can fulfill it. Mm -hmm. All right, so I got some stuff to say about this. So, um, so you know, as Moshe is saying, like this is this is attainable. These laws, these laws that Hashem gives you, you can do it. They're not uh, far from you. You don't have to travel to get them. You know, you don't have to. Um, you know, they're there. But you know, in some ways, it's also like they, the, the the sages kind of kind of. Um, Kind of saw it in a different way, so I'm going to read what, what they have here, and we can comment on that. So Rabbi Eliezer, Eliezer declared the oven of Ash of Achnai pure, while the sages declared it impure. Okay, so Rabbi Eliezer declared it pure, this oven, and the sages said it wasn't. Okay, on that day, Rabbi Eliezer, Eliezer brought all the possible arguments, but the others did not accept them. He then said to them, if the law is, as I say, let this carob tree prove it. The carob tree then moved 100 cubits from its place. They retorted, no proof can be brought from a carob tree. Again, he said, if the law is, as I say, let the stream of water prove it. The stream of water then flowed backwards. They retorted, no proof can be brought from a stream of water. He then said to them, if the law is, as I say, let the walls of the steady house prove it. The walls then inclined as if to fall. They remain that way till today. He then said to them, if the law is, as I say, let heaven itself prove it. A heavenly voice then proclaimed, why do you argue with Rabbi Eleazar? The law always agrees with him. Rabbi, Rabbi Joshua, Yehoshua then arose and exclaimed, it is not, it is not in the heavens. The Torah has already been given. So we a heavenly voice rather one must incline after the majority so the rabbis took this stance the rabbi took this stance that the majority is correct and not the not the minority um isn't there and there's a little bit more moshe said to them do not say that another moses will come and bring us a different torah from heaven i tell you now it is not in the heavens no part of Torah remains in heaven. And that's it. Uh, the first one is in Baba Mezia, and the second one was in Deuteronomy Rabbah, um, 8.6. So, I mean, these are these ideas, right? I mean, <clears throat> my wife said, I do not like the story of, of, the, of the miracles 
being disqualified. Um, but, you know, there's also the story of if a prophet comes and he does all these miracles, but it's not according to Torah, of course, you, you don't listen to him, right? So, um, you know, in some, in some ways, the majority can be wrong. We know that, obviously, right? But I think this is like the majority of learned Torah scholars. It's not just the majority of anybody. You know what I mean? It's not the majority of just random people. These are, these are people that have studied, you know, all their life, know the Torah very well. And if the majority of them believe it's this way, and then there's one that doesn't, I mean, I could understand, like, why are you going to go with the minority when the rest of them, rest of these scholars that have studied Torah and know the Torah really well, why are you going to go with the, the one that, the only one of them, you know what I'm saying? Versus the other one. So my wife will give some kind of counter argument. You have a counter argument? Yeah, you know... <clears throat> <laughs> I'm gonna go Hebrew roots. I have something to say too. Hebrew yeah. roots. That, did I cut you off, uh, Mayim? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so individually, we're going to be judged, and and we're also going to be judged um, nationally, right? Every nation that we take part of. So I mean, even. Even, I mean, I, I have a hard time with the following the majority because Hashem has definitely, through the history of our people, raised up people uh, that were prophets that spoke against the majority. And um, the nation uh, was judged, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think that individually we can, we can make a decision for our family but as far as the community we, we go with what you know the community has set as a standard um but at the end of the day we have to stand before hashem and if hashem reveals to us hey you know um maybe it's better if you do this i'm not saying violating the you know the the big things of torah it's just um certain things you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit hesitant with the, uh, you know, the always go with the majority because we can also point to the prophets that went against the majority 90% uh, of the time that were discounted. So mm -hmm. I think we have to do both. I think we have to rely on the, uh, the words of, our, of our, our sages and at the same time apply it individually to our life. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in both, you know, um, you know, pursue mercy. Uh, when we pursue obedience, mercy, you know, we get mercy. If we pursue mercy without obedience, then, you know, it's that we're at the mercy of the law, you know, the, the mercy giver, right? So, um, yeah. So I see we, we just individually have to be responsible for ourselves and not. Be monolithic you know that's where i think the uh the um the other streams of Ju uh, judaism kind of you know don't want the majority speaking for them uh, i think that's where the division kind of comes in but maybe i'm just speaking out of my, out of my <laughs> mouth a little bit it's just a, maybe it's my american side to say no you're not gonna tell me what to do <laughs> anyways <laughs> I just I just don't want to go before Hashem, and he's like, "Why didn't you, 
I told you kind of, you know, in your, in your heart, you know, what, uh, what was good for you. And yeah. So anyways, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Um, I like, I don't know when this was written, but I, it could be in a rea- reactionary. It could be in a reaction. I mean, at the time, I, mean, I don't know what the time, the time could be, but I'm guessing it could be a reactionary, a reaction to what was going on with the Christian movement. And by saying like, you know, because the Christians were at this time were pushing maybe anti-Torah doctrines and saying that it was from, you know, from Yeshua, that they were saying, well, it doesn't matter if he's, do-, you know, in the sense it's, he's a false prophet because he's, he's saying these false things against Torah. He, was, he wasn't, we know that, we know that Yeshua wasn't saying these things, but, but that the, the church as a whole was, was going against the Torah essentially, right? And so this could be a reaction to that kind of saying, look at, look at here, you know, this, he might be, you know, he might, he might be doing miracles, but it's not, um, it's not valid because he's going against the Torah, but they didn't say that, you know, they, they did it in a different way, which is in some ways like problematic, you know, did you have more to say? Mom? Well, I, I, I wanted to say that I think it reflects more the, the reality I think it reflects more the reality of Judaism instead of the ideal. I think like Safa was saying, sometimes it could be good. It could be a good thing where we don't care if miracles happen in the name of Catholicism or Islam or whatever, you know, it's like mm-hmm. we have our Torahs already given or we've already received a voice from heaven telling us what to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think a lot, something that people don't say is there's more to the story, um, which is that because of so he was very very sad and this was a very wise sage who went against others mm-hmm. and the other sages you know after that they got together and they're like well what do we need to do and they're like well we need to basically excommunicate him because he won't go along with us and so one i forgot who one of them was sent to go to him to um to excommunicate him and then he became very sad and he started mourning because it was like you know it was like he was treated as if he was dead you know if you're excommunicated and also that there were legends that um, very bad things started happening um, in Israel after they excommunicated him. So the, even the curses kept going on. And I feel this is kind of like what happened. This is an analogy to Yeshua where, you know, it was a very radical thing. He stood in the minority, he was rejected. And then what happened shortly after? Well, the temple was destroyed. and. And then the exile, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think it's it it comes down to why why did Rabbi Eliezer deem it kosher, deem that oven kosher? You know, what was the reason? Was he was it you know there 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 made a lot of other circumstances that we don't know. You know what I'm saying? And um yeah, he was he was um he was the pupil of of Yochanan ben Zak, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. And he was also the teacher of Rabbi Akiva. So he wasn't like this no-name rabbi. He was like, what, he was the leading legal authority of his time at that time. So he wasn't just nobody. And so um, he had good, probably very good reason, you know? And so in some ways you want to see you, in some ways there's good about the story and bad. So you can see both sides and you can see like, you don't want to take miracles from a false prophet. But he wasn't into doing that. And I don't know. 
and you know, I don't know if this story it seems like this may be true or maybe not. I don't know, you know. Like, I don't know if these miracles happened for him or not, but I think that's just to try to prove a point. <clears throat> All right, let's continue on. Um, set before you a free choice between life and good on one side and death and evil on the other. I've commanded you today to love God, your Lord, to walk in his paths and to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. You will then survive and flourish, and God, your Lord, will bless you in the land that you are about to occupy. But if your heart turns aside and you do not listen, you will be led astray and bow down to foreign gods and worship them. I'm warning you today that if you do that, you will be utterly exterminated. You will not last very long in the land which you are crossing the Jordan and coming to occupy. I call heaven and earth as witnesses. Before you, I have placed life and death, the blessing and the curse. You must choose life, life so that 
you and your descendants will survive. You must thus make the choice to love God your Lord, to obey him, and to attach yourself to him. This is the sole means of survival in long life when you dwell in the land that God swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, promising that he would give it to them. Choose life. Choice between life and death, choose life. Not a, it's almost like not a choice, right? <laughs> It's almost like not a choice. <clears throat> um, let's see. We'll continue on. We'll Barhu at Nam Vara. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm just reading the Hatha. Baruch Hatha Adonai Elohinu Melech Alam Asher Bachar Bin Vim Tovim Pratavadivrahim Hanemarim Bemet Baruch Hatha Adonai Abacher Batara of Moshe Abdo. He'll be shiny, he'll be shiny. Big day, big day, yes, big day, yes, me, me, sika, ye, ye, atani, keha, keha, tan, ye, ha, ye, ha, 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 Bechakala Tade Heleha Kiha Aret Totsi Simha Ukaga Zeru Eha Tatmiya Ken Adonai Adonai Yat Yat Miyah Sedaka Utila Neged 
I will rejoice intensely with Hashem. My soul will exult with my God. For he has dressed me in the raiment of salvation. In a robe of righteousness has he cloaked me. Like a bridegroom who exalts himself with splendor. Like a bride who bedecks herself with her jewelry. For as the earth sends forth its growth and as the garden sprouts forth its seedlings, so will my Lord, Hashem Elohim, cause righteousness and praise to sprout in the presence of all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be still. Until her righteousness emanates like bright light and her salvation blazes like a torch. Nations will perceive your righteousness and all the kings that your honor. And you will be called, be called by a new name, which the mouth of Hashem will pronounce. Then you will be a crown of splendor in the land of Hashem and a royal diadem in the palm of your God. It will no longer be said of you, forsaken one, and of her la your land it will no longer be said, desolate place. For you will be called, my desire is in her, and your land inhibited, inhabited. For Hashem's desire is in you, and your land will become inhabited. As a young man takes a maiden in marriage, so will your children settle in you. And like a bridegroom's rejoicing over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Upon your walls, O Jerusalem, have I posted guardians all the day and all the night. Continuously, they will never be silent. You who remind Hashem, be not silent. Do not give him silence until he establishes and until he makes Jerusalem a source of praise in the land. Hashem has sworn by his right hand and by his powerful arm, I will no longer give your grain as food for your enemies. And the sons of strangers will not drink your wine for which you have toiled. For those who have harvested it will eat, will eat it, and will praise Hashem. And those who have gathered it in will drink it in my holy courtyards. Go through, go through the gates. Clear the way for the people. Pave, pave the road. Clear of stones. Raise a banner over the peoples. Behold Hashem, behold, Hashem has announced to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your Savior has come. Behold, his reward is with him, and his wage is before him. People will call them the holy people, the redeemed of Hashem. And you will be called, sought after, the city not forsaken. Who is this coming from Edom, with solid garments from Bozrah? This one who is majestic in his raiment, girded with his abundant strength. It is I who speaks with righteousness, abundantly able to save. Why is there red on your raiment? And why are your garments like those of someone treading in a wine vat? I alone have trodden a wide press. Not a man from the nations was with me. I trod on them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath, and their and their lifeblood spurted out on me. I, oh, spurted out on my garments. So I soiled all my garments. For a day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redemption has come. I looked, but there was no help, helper. I was astounded that there was no supporter. So my arm wrought salvation for me, and my wrath was a support for me. I stepped on peoples in my anger and made them drunk with my wrath. 
and I threw their lifeblood to the ground. Hashem's kindnesses will I proclaim as the praises of Hashem, in accordance with all that Hashem has bestowed upon us and the abundant goodness to the house of Israel that he has bestowed upon them in his compassion and in his abundant kindness. For he said, indeed, they are my people, children who will not be false. And he became their savior. In all the troubles, he was troubled. So an angel from before him saved them. With his love and with his compassion, he redeemed them. He lifted them and bore them all the days of the world. Isaiah. All right, let's um, continue. But yeah, do closing blessing. Closing blessings. Baruch Atadonai Eloheinu Melech Alam Torkol Alamin Tzadik Bechodoro Ha'el Ha'neman Ha'omer Be'oseh Ha'mdabirim Kayim Shekol Devarav Emet Batzedek Ne'eman Atahod Ne'eloheinu V'ne'emanim Devarecha V'devarachad Mikvarecha Achol Ha'yashu V'rekam Ke'el Melech Ne'eman Brachaman Ata Baruch Atadonai Ha'el Ha'neman Bechol Devarav have compassion upon Zion, for it is the source of our lives, and deliver the three hearted speedily in our days. Bless you, Hashem, our blessed Jerusalem. Cause the shoe of David to sprout forth and lift up his horn with your salvation. Bless you, Hashem, shield of David. Amen. Grant us rest for your father and rule over his speedily, for you are our king. Bless you, Hashem, who sanctifies the Shabbat. Amen. Okay. Continue.